Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheila Kapadia joined by Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. We're going old school today, Benjamin. It's a Thursday 10 on a Tuesday draft edition. You have your ringer hat on. How are you feeling? Always good. Yeah, it's the hat in the rotation today. Uh, It's what, two weeks now until the NFL draft? We've officially hit critical mass. I saw a hand and hooker. As a top five pick, is going to be the best quarterback of the class. I saw Will Anderson, fifth-ranked edge, no elite traits. We're done. No one is allowed to have any more new takes about the draft. No more new, just repeating old opinions. It's the only thing you get to do for the next 16 days. You're probably like a robot now. So you hear the name like Richardson, and you just start firing off takes about like, you know, shoulders and three-cone drills and film and whatever. On the Ringer NFL Draft Show, which we just recorded earlier today, Danny Kelly brought up Yaya Diaby, which is just like, it's a middle round edge rusher from Louisville. (laughs) And I was so happy that A, it was a new person to talk about, and B, the new person was Yaya Diaby, that I just went, Yaya Diaby! I was just so so excited. I was over the moon. Such a fun name. Great name. Well, we're doing 10 questions today. Listen, some of them will be kind of topics we've touched on. But to your point, I tried to get uh, get get some questions in here that we have not covered in our previous draft show. So if you haven't listened to those, uh, Solak and I did all the options we could think of at the number 10 pick, all the options we could think of at the 30th pick. And some of you are like, well, this player is in between 10 and 30. And so we're getting to some of those questions in here, along with some big picture stuff, some good questions. Thank you to everyone who sent those in. And I I think we'll do more questions going forward because we got a bunch. So again, use hashtag uh, Ringer Philly. You can call into the voicemail line, which Cliff will have in the show notes. You can just message me on Instagram. You can leave a review. 
for the podcast. We'll check those and get to the questions. So many ways for you to get the questions in. All right, let's start with the first one, Benjamin. SBBD asks, hypothetically, a team in the mid to late 20s calls with interest in the 10th pick and offers a 2024 first as part of the deal, which prospect or prospects being available at 10 would incline you to reject the trade offer? I'm going to let you think about that for a second and give you some background because sometimes we talk about these trades and we're like, well, what's realistic? What's not realistic? So I went back the last few years. So the Lions last year moved from 12 to 32, a big move back all the way into the first round. Moved from 32 to 12, right? Moved from 32 to 12. Did they move up or did they move back? I can't remember. The Lions drafted Jamison Williams. (laughs) All right, there you go. We're off to a great start. The Lions moved up from 12 to 32 to 12. They And the exchange was a second and a third, but also Yeah, because they had 32 because they traded Matt Stafford to the Rams. That's right. I'm not crazy. We're good. Yeah. You can't expect me to remember these things. So it was essentially a second round pick swap and you get a third round pick for moving from 12 to 32. Now that's one aspect of it. In 2021, this one, I know I have, right? The Giants moved back from 11 to 20, the Justin Fields trade, and they got back a future first, a fifth, and a future fourth. So... It just kind of depends. I don't big, have it's, no it, yeah. big difference between I know you're calling up for a wide receiver as was the case when the Lions moved yes. up versus when you're moving up for a quarterback. If the Eagles are moving off of ten for somebody in the twenties, I'm thinking I'm, I'm looking at like the Ravens at twenty two. I'm looking at the Vikings at twenty three. To me, they're moving because one of the four quarterbacks is on the board at ten, and like the Vikings or the, or the Ravens want to come up and go get that guy. At which point, I would not. I would not rule out left tackle either, by the way, because that's an area where oh, if one of those yes. left tackles falls to 10. That's a premium position, but it's not necessarily a need position uh, for the Eagles. Sorry, go ahead. No, I no, I very much agree. There's there's buzz about tackle trade-ups being a thing and 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 teams trying to get into this Eagles range to go get one of those tackles. I think if if the Eagles are if you're telling me the Eagles are acquiring a future first as part of the deal. I'm presuming quarterbacks leaving the board. Correct. If it's a tackle, I, I don't that. think necessarily right that the price is, is a first round pick. But when you know you got somebody calling up for Anthony Richardson, it's a little bit different than when they're calling up for Peter Skaronsky. Nothing against Peter Skaronsky. <laughs> this is just the reality of things. Uh, the question being, what prospects would have to be on the board that you would say no? Yeah. Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, and even then, I'm not sure I feel a hundred percent about either one of those. You know what I mean? Like I. I, the way I have Will Anderson and Jalen Carter graded, obviously Carter's off-field situation notwithstanding, if you're getting that guy at 10 instead of at 2 or at 3, that's a coup. That's a huge win. But the cardinal rule of drafting, of, of draft day, I should say, is you cannot be too confident in your own evaluations. You cannot like say, like no, 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 I, I, I know that this defensive tackle is where the top 10 pick. You have to have the humility to say, all right, Carter fell to 10. That's crazy. We're so happy. We, we love him at 10. We love the value on. We think he's great. But when you can get a future first round pick, you go get a future first round pick. Like that, that, that has to be that sober, modest approach. Like that's good drafting 101 right there. And, and to me, like that's something that the Roseman player evaluation, he may be a little bit deficient on, but like good policy in terms of managing the draft. I think that's where he's strong. So I, w- I would say, well, Anderson and Jalen Carter would really make me like, all right, Quessy, all right, you know, that Eric DaCosta, like, I'm putting you on hold for a minute. 
And then I talk with my guys in the room. I'm like, are we sure that we want to be the team that gave up the Will Anderson pick? Um, but I think probably like those two names are I'm on the fence. Other than that, like if you're getting a future first, baby, send it back, send it back. I feel pretty much the same way. I think, yeah, I would say Will Anderson is the guy who I would say, hold on, give me yeah. 30 seconds. Let's talk it over uh, amongst ourselves. And ultimately, I might say Will Anderson is a great prospect at a premium position. Uh, we're just going to chill here. Thanks, but no thanks. I think I would probably end up just doing it because it's mid to late 20s. You're getting a future first. Like that's great value. Jalen Carter, I'm doing it um, just because even if I feel confident in my off field evaluate stuff with him if he's dropped all the way to, to 10 right. other teams are scared off i might be th i'm gonna have some doubt there that he's the guy so will anderson is really the only and i don't even know how realistic it is but if we're talking about prospects um in the top 10 he's the only guy unless we're talking like all right if you want to go wild like if bryce young were available at 10 i would probably uh, then you're probably getting I don't know. Are you getting more of a haul? That one's probably not even worth discussing. But I was like, oh, if Bryce, if Bryce Young was there, I might just take him and figure it out. But I think Will Anderson is the only other guy. Everyone else, go ahead. Uh, I'm moving out. I'll see you uh, yeah. in an hour or so in the mid 20s. All right, I just, so we're on the like, same page. I, I, just looking at the list of names and like, if, okay, if you're ending up at 22, you're still getting like, like I, I think there's a non-zero chance you're still getting Nolan Smith. I think there's like a decent chance you're still getting like Deontay Banks. Then yeah. every defensive tackle not named Jalen Carter is going to be on the board for you. Like, yeah, I'd probably move back. I like me a future first, <laughs> Shield. I sure do. <laughs> Plus, we know Howie. He would love to do like a move back and then like a move up a little bit. And then, like, and yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe Nolan Smith comes down to 17 and you go, bam. Right. You know, and Why would like, you make I'm one Trader move? Howie. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you make one move when you can make two moves? All right? It's just better <laughs> that way. Right. I agree. All right. Price is good. Plus, so... So we're on the same page there. Question number two, Nicola. Love love the name, Nicola. Nicola. Not Nicola Jokic, but this is Nicola. Yeah, enemy so of don't the worry. state. Nicola, Everyone calm down. It's Nicola, Eagles fans. Uh, you can calm down. It says, where do you guys think the Eagles will consider drafting a wide receiver? Ooh, we have, I don't think we've discussed that at all. Mm -hmm. He says, for me, if Josh Downs is somehow there in the second round, I run that card in without question. We also got questions about Jackson Smith and Jigba as an option Great name in the too. first round. Great name. Where are you on, I guess, both those players and also the idea right. of, hey, when is it okay to even discuss the idea of drafting a wide receiver? So firstly, the sportsbooks have Nicolo as a student or alumni of the University of North Carolina at like minus 1,000. All right, if we're running the card in for Josh Downs, you better be a Tar Heel. Uh, I like Downs, I do. In the second round, he said. In the second round. Yeah. Well, yeah. Downs is a weird one. Like, I have him graded, second round player. Uh, like I think most people have him around that area. He has had like, as of like last week, no 30 visits for teams. Like of the reserve 30, you no know, top 30 visits. Schefter tweeted about it. He was like, Josh Downs ain't visiting anybody. And, and then Albert Breer quote tweeted, and he was like, yeah, it's very irregular for a potential top 100 pick. And I was like, a potential top 100 pick? Like, I thought this guy was going 40. So I have no idea where the league is on Josh Downs right now. Josh Downs is like 5, 10, a buck 70. You know what I'm saying? This is a really small slot receiver, and that's how he has to operate. He's impressive down the field. He's impressive to get to catch. Like I said, I like Josh Downs, but you're absolutely drafting yourself a slot. For the Eagles, that mold of player does not make sense because no matter who you are taking at to be wide receiver three to play in the slot in this class, 
they are walking in with at best the fourth target density among Eagles receivers, right? Like the Eagles last year, no team threw the ball to their top three players at a higher percentage cumulatively than the Eagles did. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard as a trio accounted for a greater share of the pie the Eagles target than any other trio in any other team in the league. Goddard got hurt and that screwed the numbers a little bit, but like Jamar Chase, D. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, no. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, insert third person here, no. So you just can't justify spending, in my opinion, like a top 60, top 75, top 80 pick on a guy that like, she isn't going to see the ball that much. Now, who the Eagles have in that role right now is Quez Watkins. He gives you the, the the dynamic of field stretching. He gives you the dynamic of making the field larger. So when you start to look at slot receivers, you say, okay, or I should say third receiver for the Eagle, do we have a guy who who has like legit long speed? He, can he be a field stretcher? Can he, he change the field that way? You start to look for guys who are big slots. Think Zach Paschal. Think, all right, he's not going to touch the ball up, but we can use him in the running game, right? Start to look at players like that. And then finally, you start to look at guys with returner ability. If I'm going to roster you and I'm not going to throw you the ball very much, can you field a punt? And I don't have to give it to Devontae Smith because that's terrifying. And I don't have to keep giving yeah. it to Utah, Britton Covey, because I won that I was great about last to call year. him Bryson Stott. I could not remember his name yeah. either. All right. Sorry. So, so now that we're talking about specific role players, we're talking about day three guys. So Josh Downs around two, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba in round one, who's extremely talented is an average size receiver who probably has to play in the slot who doesn't bring you a lot as a blocker. It just does, There's not enough room at the table in the Eagles' passing offense right now to justify that level of investment. So I'd love for them to improve upon Quez Watkins. I love a Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. I love a, a, a Tyler Scott or even like a Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati for the speed. Love a Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, round three, round four guy for the speed. But that's the earliest I'm starting to think about that. Because you just you you cannot spend that many resources on a guy who just is not going to see the ball that much. I generally agree with you. Let but for the purpose of this exercise, let's uh, let me give you Howie Roseman at the podium after the Eagles have spent a top fifty, let's say top seventy five pick on a wide receiver, and someone poses the exact question uh, you pose. You know, Jimmy Kemsky says, uh, Howie, you know, why why was this the right pick? given that you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and that this is going to be the fourth most targeted player. I think Howie Roseman would say, we want to build the biggest, baddest offense in the NFL. We feel like that's our path to sustained success year in and year out. Injuries happen in the NFL. We are fortunate enough. He knocks on wood at the podium. He says, we were fortunate enough last year. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith were healthy the entire season. But, you know, in case that doesn't happen, we don't want to be sitting there having our passing game taking a, taking a hit. You guys have seen that in past with our organization, with us taking Jalen Hurts for Carson Wentz. You've seen it on the offensive line. We want to over-invest in the offense and make sure we're covered there. Player X was just too good. He was the best player on our board and even though yeah week one we hope all these guys are healthy he might not lead the team in targets but in the stretch of a four to five year period when he's on his rookie contract uh, we are going to get great value out of this player so I think that's how Howie Roseman would explain it now yeah Howie question yeah go ahead yeah Ben Solak thank you for joining yeah Yeah. Uh, for the next four to five years we're going to get great value on this player by throwing him the ball 2.4 times a game 
Injuries, Benjamin. You know, I know you live in this. Dream You're gonna kneecap AJ world, Brown. Uh, this pod dream podcasting world at the Ringer, where no one gets injured, and you guys have great uh, health insurance. Well, this is the National Football League. It's a violent game. We don't sit there with our headphones on. We might need a wide receiver should one of our top three targets go down. AJ Brown goes down. You're up the creek without a paddle, brother. <laughs> Ain't no Jackson Smith and Jake for saving you. I'm telling you that right now. All right. So generally, I agree with you. Quez Watkins had 51 targets uh, last year. This is your fourth pass catching option. It just doesn't make sense. The one scenario where I would give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, if they said player X is going to play the slot, but this guy is really good on the outside, should one of those guys go down, he could play on the outside. But yeah. that doesn't match up really with this draft class and who you would be taking in that range. Like, I don't see a player who I'd be like, oh yeah, that player would make a lot that, of sense so yeah, there. The guys that I named, Marvin Mims at Oklahoma, Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, and Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, I named for that reason. Uh, they're guys that, that mostly have experience on the outside, played some in the slot Mims. Yeah. Um, but they're guys that have speed and they have downfield threat ability, but they also might be better served playing in the slot at the NFL level because of their size. So like that was the that was the window I was trying to hit. I do and think they're that more what third third thirdish round, round or any round, third, okay yeah. yeah Scott might so be I round think two. That's fine. Yeah yeah. I would say the other like let let's let's say all right they don't draft a receiver round to day two they don't even draft him round four like round five six seven I would expect the type that they're going to go for is just a huge height weight speed guy. Like I think, I think they're just going to find an enormous man who they think can be helpful blocking in the slot. Uh, Jake Bobo, Andre Yoshivas, Andre uh, Yoshivas, little bit yeah. of little Princeton, yeah, a little special teams help there. Bryce Ford Wheaton, West Virginia. Um, Joseph and God at a, at a, at a cleanse while a little too thin, but a guy a, a Pascal role, right? That that was a handy thing for them to have. It's nice to walk out in eleven personnel, quote unquote, but then have that second blocker uh, at the skill positions. And that's not Brown. And that's not Devontae. So. Go watch your favorite blocking big wide receivers on day three. There's like four of them. Maybe you'll take one of those guys. Yeah, to be clear, I would like to upgrade over Quez Watkins. I just don't want to spend a big resource to upgrade over Quez Watkins. Yes. If you're taking flyers you on to. day... Yeah, if you're taking a flyer on day three and your dream scenario is, whoa, training camp, this guy's really flashing. This guy's really popping. Maybe he could be an upgrade. That's fantastic. I'm just not going to spend big resources on that. Real quick on the players, uh, I have watched downs on film and I, I'm not big on downs. I didn't totally get it uh, with him. Like you mentioned, five foot nine, 171 pound slot only wide receiver, averaged 10.9 yards per reception last year. I didn't. I know he's got like some of the uh, athletic testing was very good. I didn't see a lot of juice big on film so i was not big on downs smith and jigba i love like for the right team, oh, yeah. he's your I sort mean, of he's, guy yeah he he's i mean fantastic so uh i like him a lot i liked everything i saw about him he knows how to play uh, i could see him being like offensive rookie of the year uh next year in the right spot again it's just for this team at this spot i think it probably doesn't make sense all right who, uh, so wait how much how much film you done like how many guys you just kind of watching who you want to watch yeah, I, I mean, I, I did a, I, I did a wide I did a wide receiver film session with uh, Coach Flynn, so I have more takes uh, on some of the wide receivers nice. than uh, other players. Okay, but, who yeah. are the uh, who are the Shilkapadia guys? Let's, I mean, let's get, I would let's have, get some stamps uh, on some names I, I, next week. I'll I got one more film okay, session. Right, we'll you, come back you. next week, and I will give you uh, some names of players I like and don't like. All right, question number three. Shane asks, is there a world where the Eagles could go tight end in the back half of round one, either through the trade back or pick 30 
particularly thinking of someone like Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end, who would be helpful both blocking and receiving. And then we had a follow-up SRM Chef loyal listener had a Darnell Washington question because I both I think we both at one point in the last pod were just like we're not Darnell Washington guys. Then we said nothing else about it. So I think he wants more uh, of an explanation. You're I'm a in. Darnell okay. Washington All right. guy. All right. Okay. Let's talk about them like, both and the possibility of a tight end. Go ahead. I'm a Darnell Washington guy in the same way that every four-year-old is a Tyrannosaurus Rex guy. They're like, that thing's real? That's insane. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. Like Darnell Washington's unbelievable, dude. He's 6'7", 265, loping out there like an antelope. He's awesome. I love Darnell Washington. Is he... A finished product? No. Is he like not? Is he going to be part of a functional passing game in terms of like route running? Probably not. You got to like give him design touches. Is he as good at blocking as he should be? Not really, because he doesn't really get low. Because he's enormous. Boy, you're really selling me on him. So he's a year (laughs) away. Is the moral of the story, right? Like he's he's definitely a useful player because you get him the ball on a checkdown, like it's it's two defensive backs that take him down. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a handful. It's just he's a year away. So, like, he's much more interesting to me on, like, teams that are figuring out their offensive identity. And, like, you know, let's see if we can develop this guy and what he can become for us. If he can be, like, a decently high target player. If he's going to be a feature in the running game. For the Eagles, it's just, like, okay, they put him on the field to give him a design touch. And then they would take him off the field to run their offense. Like, it's a little bit of a, a square fit. Um, I would say, like, end of the first round tight end is more possible than wide receiver. Because you get the blocking aspect, but it's the same answer as the previous one. This is at best the target number four. You bring in a, a Dalton Kincaid out of Utah who's like 240 pounds and like moves like a receiver. Sick. You got a great athlete. Like defenses have to deal with this now. But is the juice worth the squeeze? Are you, are you getting the 28th overall pick? Like however they go get him, you know, trade up, whatever. Are you getting that player enough targets, enough touches to justify the investment? I, th- I think you struggle to. I do really like this tight end class. I do think that Jack Stoll is upgrade upon a bowl. I think that it makes a lot more sense in round three than it does in the back half round one, but it's not impossible. It really isn't. Great tight end class, a lot of talented players. I would be surprised, but I I wouldn't put the percent chance at zero. Others have made this point that Dallas Goddard is the same age Zach Ertz was when they drafted Dallas Goddard. 28 years old. So they have kind of done this before. Uh, I famously at that time said, that's a bad use of resources because this guy's not going to get on the field unless Zach Ertz gets injured. No, I mean, it was a good take because the, if you Love look at his rookie, con- they got. I said he was a very good player, a very good prospect, but on his rookie contract, you're getting like no value out of the guy because he's Bad blocked take. unless a guy gets injured. It's it's precisely your, the same take you have rookie, about wide receiver rookie, right now. Rookie Dallas Goddard against Khalil Mack in that wild card game will live for me forever. He was oh just shoving, God. just moving <laughs> Khalil Mack off the spot. He was such a good blocker. I, lo- I just love Goddard as a prospect. I very much agree that when they took a tight end yeah. top 50, I was like, okay. I mean, I was very like 12 personnel pilled at the time too. So I was like, all right, this is going to be cool schematically. But you know, you run into that issue. You absolutely do. Um, The other thing I will say about Goddard, uh, 12 games last year, 15 games the year previous, 11 games in 2020. Yes. He doesn't play full seasons. Uh, And so again, like it's a non-0% chance. And I would say that, I would say it's more likely they leave this draft with a tight end than they come out of this draft without one round is a question mark but it's such a loaded class and they're thin at the position behind goddard and goddard's got like health and yeah like it's it's the age the age thing as well so i i wouldn't surprise it would surprise me in the first round 
it would not surprise me if they take one rounds two, three, four. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they take a tight end with a top 50 pick. Like you said, Goddard's missed 12 games the last three seasons. If you want to play multiple tight end sets like they did last year, and they were really good at it, by the way, uh, then you have someone who can play there and then someone who can help you if Goddard, uh, in fact, does go down. In terms of those two prospects, I actually found myself liking Mayer quite a bit. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good I, pl- I could like, I could yeah. sit here and I could tell you every prospect you're going to like. You just like good ball players. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. dude. Oh, well, that's get, good. Yeah. You never give a hoot about no measurable. About <laughs> no, no, I do like a measurable. No I like a measurable. Nah. I'm probably overcorrecting. I think early in my career, I probably went too big on the measurables, and now I probably swung the other mm-hmm. one. I, I I do have this like was the, was the guy a good football player at the level of football that was easier than the level of football he's going to have to play? I think that's usually a good question. I understand, yeah. you know, there's a lot at work there, but I don't right. think that's a bad place to start. So yeah, no, I liked Mayer quite yeah. a bit. It's like it's like whenever you talk about like free agent contracts, you're like, all right, all I need to know is like what were the last three contracts signed by a guy this position with trades? Like what were yeah. the last couple times of trade like this? <laughs> For you, it's like, all right, what would he need? What did he do the last time he played football? It was good. He's going to be yeah. good in the future. Which is like right. keep it simple, stupid. I love it. It's it, it's absolutely correct. You uh, have you watched quarterbacks yet? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to move. I, I like Stroud more than I thought I was going to, uh, the more than I, I did I watching exa- him on Saturdays. However, Bryce Young is still my number one guy. I, I was, I'm still uh, all in on Bryce. Young. First thing I was going to say was going to be, you like CJ Stroud, don't you? Cause CJ Stroud is the ball player. CJ Stroud just puts the ball yeah. where it's supposed to be when it's supposed I to be I feel like there. young is like that. Young probably fits that for me. Cause I'm just like, look at the instincts. Look at the feel on this guy. He knows what he's doing out there. He's going to go out there and play well. So I, I still have young as my favorite, uh, quarterback, but yeah, Stroud grew on me from like end of college season to actually focusing on him in the draft season. A uh, quick on Darnell Washington. Uh, I think you pegged that pretty well. Like you watch him and you're just like, is this guy going to like separate and run a route and catch a football? Like, I don't know. He's not definitely not there now. I thought his athleticism, like he tested great. That shows up when he has the ball in his hands. Like you mentioned, and you're just like, oh boy, now he's hurtling a guy. He's running a guy over. That's pretty fun. It didn't show up when he's running a route and, you know, before the ball is actually thrown. So uh, 45 total catches, in his college career, uh, I'm probably on lower on him. Now clear. Most the moment they draft him, we hop on this pod an hour later. I'm going to be fully on board. <laughs> Love it. Great pick. <laughs> he I is can't fun. Wait. You know what? There's kind of a lot of guys like that. I was thinking we'll get to that question uh, later. That sort of I was kind of like there are guys who I would say that's not a great pick. But man, that's going to be really fun to watch him yeah, on film exactly. like next year type guys. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with question number four. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, question number four. This is from a guy, see, I thought his name was Unknown Sauces, which I don't want to ask any more questions there, but there's actually no second N there, so it's like Uncount Sauces, which, again, I'm not going to ask any more questions. I just wanted to be accurate with what this person's name was. All right. Ben is not, uh, rightfully not reacting to that at all. <laughs> Thoughts on Tyree Wilson, he asks. He, I presume, could be a she. Was surprised not to hear his name in the discussion for the 10th pick. And that's true. I don't think we mentioned uh, Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, Texas Tech, six foot six, 271 pounds, 35 and three eighth inch arms. With Oh, I, I forgot to measure my arms. All right. Before next week, I measure my arms. I was supposed to do that. I measured People my ask. arms for uh, a ring replacement. Oh, video. what do you got? 28 inches. Not bad. All right. Forget about Here, that. Here, stand yeah. like this. I want to see them right now, see if mine are longer or not. But the yeah. zoom's going to cut it off. They're kind of off the know. screen. Yeah, that didn't yeah. work very well. All right. Now, I feel like... I, gar- right, then I, I sh- guarantee yeah, you, you've got I don't like think 30. You, yeah, I don't think you have longer arms than me. I, th- I could be 28, 29. I don't think I'm that much longer than you with the arms. All right. Tyree Wilson. Like him. Don't like him. Figment of our imaginations. What are your what are your thoughts? I'm lower on on Tyree Wilson relative to consensus, uh, and I would say given the the way his draft process has rolled, I think he's going to be a top ten pick. I'd be surprised if he's there when the Eagles are, are making their selection. Uh, Tyree is another one of these prospects we've seen a lot of them over the last couple of years because of the COVID year of eligibility, who started to get really good at college football once he was like multiple years older than all of the people he was facing, which always to me is like, yeah, right, he'll be a twenty three year old rookie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, like, a lot of times NFL fans hear that, and they're like, okay, 23-year-old rookie, what do I care? Like, he's going to be in his 20s for seven seasons. It's not that that's that bad. It's that his only really good season in college came when he was 22, which I don't know about you, but I think about 22-year-old Ben fighting 18-year-old Ben, and 22-year-old Ben could have kicked 18-year-old Ben's tail around the yard, right? Like, it's it's that physical level of difference that you try to contextualize his production in college. Um, Now, he's got... He's he's big, long with bend. You don't like. There's only a couple guys who come out every year that have got that. He absolutely has cardinal traits in that sense, where like he's able to move around corners and 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 and, and turn on guys. The way you usually see two fifty pounders do, and he's two seventy five. So that's legit. Um, but the, the production came late. I don't think he's like a polished pass rusher. I don't think he's like a walk in and produce ten sacks guy. And then critically, he's had uh, multiple foot fractures over the course of his his mm. his college career. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's had two Liz Franks, one in his left and one in his right, from what I was told. Now, that plus the fact that like he's 270 and there's a chance that he's going to put on more weight at the NFL level because he's a frame that can do it. So I have a guy whose f- feet, foots, feet are breaking now, and he's going to get heavier <laughs> and play more. Like that to me, like I, 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 there's a red flag for me on Tyree Wilson in terms of medicals, and there's a red flag for me in terms of production and age. So he's just not the sort of prospect that I want to take the swing on. Uh, and like I said, from what the way people talk about him, from the way he's been mocked, I expect him to be gone before the Eagles pick. If he's there at ten, it wouldn't surprise me if they take him. But that's not the sort of guy that, that I would I would give a big thumbs up to. To me, that that's a that's a a risk of a prospect. Uh, first off, shout out to our friend Nora Princiati because you basically were singing uh, Taylor Swift ly- lyrics there where you said, I don't know about you, 
But Tyree Wilson's 22. All right. That was, uh, I don't know, even know if you know that song. Uh, I know the song. I just, you, you, <laughs> okay. you, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cliff's booing in the chat. I, we got to get a little more, we got to get a little more t- uh, tone work in there. We got to get a little better singing you, job. You, you, you said it. I didn't say I was a good singer. You were throwing in the lyrics. We had to at least acknowledge our wonderful uh, colleague and uh, podcaster there. I'm with you on Tyree Wilson. Uh, hopefully he has a great NFL career. He is not someone I would want to kind of uh, take a chance on in the first round. I think if you're you're an Eagles fan and you're like, who do we want to go before the 10th pick? Uh, I would say Tyree, you should be happy if Tyree Wilson kind of gets taken and pushes somebody else down. Tyree Wilson, you are an Atlanta Falcon. There you go. All right. Question number five, Max. This this one I had to include just because it was it was very creative, which I really appreciated. Max says a destructive device is wired to Cliff's favorite cheesesteak joint, and the only way to defuse it Boy. is you ha- is you have to convince Howie to draft Bijan Robinson. But you can't mention the device. You can't be like Howie saved this place. Oh uh, dang! And, See now, yeah. this is a good podcast question asker. This man has been doing so this good. for years. They, he knows the trap doors. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my god! Not getting out of this. I need a real like, answer. I was like, well, we've already discussed Bijan Robinson. And I'm like, no way. This man does. Max deserves to be this rewarded. This is well crafted. Okay. So he says, make the case for a Bijan draft strategy. Uh, to be smart, whether it's the football case, the draft value arbitrage league contrarian case, and describe the draft strategy you recommend. Uh, we got a couple other Bijan Robinson questions that we can group in here. Eagle Nomics asked, can you justify drafting Bijan as a way to allow Hertz to run less and lengthen his career by taking some of the short distance running burden off of him? And Mike said, there seems to be a lot of smoke with Bijan Robinson over the last week. Peter King wrote that they should take him. Is there fire? Can we realistically look at this as a real option? So for starters, just make the case to Howie. Let's try to save Cliff's favorite uh, cheesesteak joint. First, I'm very interested in what the arbitrage case would be for this. So I want Max to hit me up and explain that one to me because I don't get that one. Uh, okay. Bijan, here's the case. Howie, I got you. <laughs> Any running back you put in this offense is going to produce, right? We agree on that, Howie. Yes? Yes. Okay. You draft Bijan Robinson top 10. Okay. This is the best possible back. So he's going to produce. We need to produce at a very high level, right? We're talking like, you know, 1,500 yards. We're talking about rushing uh, season leader. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about 15 touchdowns. So I have a crazy production. Howie, you trying to tell me that if Bijan does that for two years in this offense, you can't get a GM on the phone to trade you another first round Ooh, pick for Bijan like Robinson. This. You get two years of elite performance from your running back position and then basically go and get maybe not 10 overall, but you tell me you can't get 16 overall. Howie, a good trader like you get Mickey Loomis on the line, New Orleans Saints <laughs> done with Alvin Kamara. Say, hey, first round for Bijan Robinson. You tell me you can't get that deal done. So it's just a, just a rental. You're just giving over a first round pick, getting two years out of Bijan and then getting the first round pick when you turn him back in. That's the approach. That's a fantastic job. Come on. Uh, yeah. Thank that's you. A, yeah, I, I, honestly, even you could say, like, even if you trade him for a second round pick, like, is that what it's like a pick swap kind of, you know, and you got two years of him. Maybe you, maybe he led the NFL and he probably led the NFL in rushing over those two years. Yeah. Honestly, that's like a likely scenario the, with him in this floor, uh, offense. The floor is a third round comp pick. All right. And that's five years in the future. And you, Howie Roseman, excellent trader, you can beat yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Go get, a, get a second in three years, no problem. 
I like I like that. So you're not view Bijan Robinson as yeah. Let's just win the Super Bowl sometime in the next two years. Then no one will yell at me. Uh, we'll save the cheesesteak joint. We'll trade right, them Cliff, after oh, that. Cliff owes me like ten cheesesteaks now. Come yeah, on now, yeah. save the building. No, let's that, go. That, that, that was a great job. Uh, so the reason to not do to not draft Bijan Robinson, we've discussed this before. Uh, you had the best rushing DVOA of any team in the last three years last season. That was with Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, and Boston Scott. I think it would be more fun with a dynamic back if Rashad Penny can stay healthy for like six games. That's going to be fun. If you can find someone in on day three, that's going to be fun. But the threat of Hurts is almost as important as Hurts running. Like there was the question about, you know, Hurts uh, saving him on short yardage, which by the way, is the QB sneak a dangerous play? Like Mahomes had the one thing. I, I like I don't know if there's any data to even back that up, you know, compared to a guy yeah. dropping back in the pocket. I don't think it, it doesn't is. seem like uh, guys I haven't have seen anything hurt. on that. Yeah. Usually yeah. when you when you're talking injuries, you're talking about non-contact injuries, which is changing direction, which isn't a sneak. And then when you're talking about contact injuries, you're talking about high velocity collisions, which also isn't a sneak, right? Because it's low velocity. Yeah. Nobody had any time to build up speed unless there's like a safety diving in Troy Palomano style. Um, if you want to like this is I think an important thing to say. If you want to take rushing volume off of Hertz, you can. And hand the ball off. You don't need a certain right. You need back the threat of to Hertz. do it, right? Yeah. So if you're worried about Hurts long term, you want him to run the ball less so he stays healthier. Just give the ball more. Period. It, certainly, you still can get Bijan or another early drafted back. Then you have a bell cow, and he's the guy you give 200 odd carries to, or you get another guy in, and you just rotate your, your backs. You use a, a running back by committee, but the the, the burden is incumbent not on the front office to get a back, but on the front office and the coaching staff together to decide that you're just going to hand the ball off more. And you can do that with a second round back, third round back, seventh round back, however you want to do it. So I think like that that idea has credence to it. It's just you you don't want to think so they like they need a top back in order to do this. No, you can just hand the ball off more. Just run behind Stoutland's line, give it to Boston Scott 15 times. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's something they should be doing. There were times last year where games were out of hand in the third quarter and Jalen Hurts was still keeping the ball. Like that actually, like having this conversation, that really should be an emphasis for as them a, going into this year for sure. As anybody who follows me on Twitter knows, at least once a game, I would tweet out, put the ball in the belly of the back. Yeah. No more options. No more reads. No more RPOs. Put the ball in the belly of Just the back. pick your spots. Yeah, I mean, high leverage situations, playoffs, yes, absolutely. Third quarter, when you're up 28 to 7, do you need him keeping the ball? No, you absolutely uh, do not. So I think that's a good point. And then just zooming out, I mean, listen, the Eagles are trying to build for sustained long-term success. They're going to be paying Jalen Hurts in the neighborhood of 47 to $50 million per year. How do you build the rest of the roster when you're paying a quarterback that much? You need foundational players at premium positions on rookie contracts. If you're using a number 10 or number 15 pick on B. John Robinson, you're not using that pick on somebody uh, you know, at a premium position. And then just the upside. I mean, if you can't trade him after two years, like Ben said, you're not paying, the Eagles are not paying a, a rookie running back a big second contract. I mean, they, they, that would be just be shocking uh, at this point. And so it's easy to find guys who can be like 70% of Bijan Robinson, even though we both, I think, absolutely love Bijan Robinson. And he's one of the guys we mentioned earlier, would be a lot of fun in 2023 to watch Bijan Robinson in this offense. Where do you think he goes? Have you looked at like the first round and you're like, I don't think he yeah. gets past this team who is who is your uh your team 
So I know I joked about Tyree Wilson to the Falcons. I think Bijan's a Falcon. Yeah, uh, I could see yeah. that absolutely. I, Bijan's a Falcon. I also like bring it in. Bring it in. This is Philly special exclusive. Don't tell anybody. Bijan at twelve to the Texans second pick. Would not be surprised. Would not even be remotely surprised if they spend twelve on Bijan Robinson. And then the city of Houston burns to the ground. I don't know. If you're a fan of the Texans and you're like I don't know what quarterback they're going to get. You, you, you know, we had this discussion on extra point taken. But if you come away with like Bryce Young, Bijan Robinson, and D'Amico Ryan's in this offseason, like given the way Texans stuff has gone with uh, Jack Easterby over the years, like you're probably pretty excited not, about yeah, yeah. that. Even if it's not a great pick, uh, you're probably pretty excited about that. Uh, I think eight, and then uh, if it gets to sixteen to the Commanders, that feels like the lock of the century. I mean, I can't see that. I think so. I can just, I can see it. I can just see it again, as we mentioned on Extra Point Taken. I think they're just taking naps at the commander's facility, waiting for the team to be sold. And they're like, Bijan Robinson, it's like you were saying I do. They're like, Bijan Robinson was awesome in college. Yeah, call Can't it in. <laughs> Yeah, we're taking him. All right. Number six, we got a voicemail. Cliff, go ahead. Hey guys, uh, my name is Josh, big fan of the show, and I had a mailback question for you about our beloved quarterback factory, and that question is, do you think it reopens in this draft how he has not taken a quarterback since Jalen Hurts in 2020? Obviously, mm. recently, you know, we traded for Minshew, signed Mariota in free agency, but I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to want to, you know, burn a late-round pick on another guy, which he hasn't done since taking Hurts, and just... It'd be super funny with history rhyming that way, you know, drafting Hurts after giving one some mega deal. Hurts, no doubt, about to get his own extension. Then, bam, how he hits you with another late-round quarterback pick. Um, yeah, psycho thought, but that's my question. Cool. <laughs> I, I do is, appreciate ending the they, call with psycho thought. Psycho thought. That's my question. Talk, this, is, this is the most unhealthy Philly <laughs> question we've ever gotten. It's like, hey... We have a good quarterback, good young quarterback, making him a huge deal. That means we're about to draft another one, right? That means things are about to happen, <laughs> which is like very, very true. My, uh, my head immediately went to Clayton Thorson. Remember the Clayton Thorson oh, pick? God, just I like, crushed that pick. Yeah, kid, kid you, couldn't even play. though it's a day three, I was like, why are you just throwing this pick away? Round five selection could yeah. not play football. Horrible man with holes on the roster. Yeah, uh, I don't think they're drafting a quarterback again. If they love somebody. Yes, they could. They they could say, hey, we don't have to just play this game every offseason where we look for Jalen Hurts' backup like they did this year with Mariota, like they did previously with Minshew. Uh, I would be pretty surprised if they did that, although I guess it would not completely shock me because I think uh, you know they would sell you on their, uh, on their philosophy without using the words QB factory. I could see them doing it. I think. Do you like, like anybody? Is there anybody? Do you have like a day three guy who you're like, eh, right. this guy's kind of okay that maybe could be a solid enough backup? Sorry, yeah. When I, I watch um, for that one, no, no, you're all right. I, I want to make sure I, I had his, his bio up correctly. When I watch Dorian Thompson Rob, uh, Robinson, who's the mm. quarterback out of, out of UCLA, Chip. he's like a sixth, seventh round guy. Exactly, he's Chips QB. Uh, yeah. Which like. I was going to end on, but I don't think they're going to take him because he's Chip's quarterback. And I think how he's going to refuse. Um, but DTR is, is 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 a dual threat quarterback. He's got moxie. He's got you know he's got the tough stuff. He's got grit, right? He's got kind of that that leadership passion aspect of him. Um, and he's got a quick release. You know what I'm saying? He's like like they've had Gardner Minshew and Ian Book in in the past couple of years, and the the unifying factor of those guys is like 
they can pop it out re- really quick. You know what I'm saying? They have that, that quick release. They're smaller, undersized guys, but they can they can get rid of the ball quickly. And that's DTR. So he's like he when you're looking for a Hertz backup, again, you don't have to have a mobile guy, but when I watch DTR and, and it's like, oh, he's clearly a backup in the league. The Eagles offense is the one where he, like it just maps nicely onto how he already plays. So him oh, Okay, good one. I would also yeah. I would also say the other small mobile quarterback with a fast release and leadership experience is Stetson Bennett from Georgia, which <laughs> there's they like Georgia prospects. There's a non-zero mm. chance. A little seventh round Stetson Bennett, a little Heisman candidate Stetson Bennett, national championship Stetson Bennett. Come on now. Okay, I, I usually I don't get mad over seventh round picks. So I I uh, will see if they make that. I could get uh, you mad about a seventh round pick. I could pull that off. Probably. I probably say that now, and people can probably point out ten seventh round picks I've uh, yelled about. All right. Question number seven, Gabe asks, you guys touched on Keely Ringo on the last pod. Can you give us a detailed breakdown? Where do you think he goes? I'll just give the bio, and I know you, I believe, have strong thoughts about Keely Ringo. Uh, Georgia Corner, six foot two, 207, will only be 21 years old as a rookie, was a five-star recruit, ran 4-3-6, but had bad uh, short shuffle and three cone times, was a two-year starter. 19 passes defended and four interceptions. Those are the good. Uh, Last year had five DPI penalties and three holding penalties. Allowed 13 catches of 15 plus yards last year. Uh, Per PFF, that was the second most among SEC corners. uh, And also just the tackle rate numbers on him are not good. He missed 12% of his attempted tackles. Uh, Why are you in on a Keeley Ringo Benjamin? Before I a- answer that, can I ask you something? Yeah. How'd you let, how did you feel about Rasul Douglas when he was here? Uh, I liked Rasul Douglas. Right, I thought he was underrated. Like, yeah, you're going to like Akili Ringo. Uh, okay. I have a soft spot for and tend to believe... Uh, I have a soft spot for corners who are able to dictate coverage of the line of scrimmage. And I tend to believe those players are underrated. Right. I think that we did like a huge peak on those players in, t- in like 2013, 2014. Uh, Seattle cover three the name you don't mention Philadelphia Byron Maxwell right like these sorts of players and then there was a there was a big drop off right the bubble burst in the late 2010s it's okay we need our corners to actually be able to move and turn and change direction and stuff and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle and I think we're still too underneath that there are concerns about Ringo's ability to he's a little bit tight he's a little bit stiff he's not a little bit tight he's definitely tight he's definitely stiff and there are concerns with the ability to change direction to stick with the the shiftier NFL caliber receivers with their quickness, right? People cite the the Ohio State game he played this year, the semifinal for the, the college football playoff, in which like future NFL and Marvin Harrison got him, got him good a couple times. I would be quick to point out that future NFL and Marvin Harrison got pretty much everybody yeah. that he lined up against for a whole season, and that that's typically how it goes. Uh, equal talent between wide receiver and corner, corner wins the major or wide receiver wins the majority of the time. They're just they're, they're the position right there that's dictating. But with Ringo, he's 6'1", he's 6'2", 207, great press technique, and then excellent long speed, the ability to recover, right, to get back into phase. He's really good in a vertical third. That ability to kind of put him on the line of scrimmage and let him play in that in that arena is really nice. It's really useful. For Philadelphia, it's a little bit trickier. The Eagles, uh, previously under Gannon, liked to have some of their corners be able to play off, 
Uh, and presumably under Decide, they're going to want similar things because they're going to run similar coverages. Ringo and off coverage can't dictate as easily. He can't press. He can't control the release. He can't get in phase as easily. And so now that, that movement skill, that change of direction, that, that quickness, that starts to get exposed a little bit more. Uh, the, so like, that's why I use Rasul Douglas as a comparison. It's because when Rasul got used the way he needed to yeah. be used... He had good moments, and then when he got you know uh, left on 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 islands eight yards off the ball, not as much. And there was always that conversation about maybe moving him to safety because he was a bigger guy. And that's going to be the same thing with Ringo, where like there are already conversations about that. Rasul went to Green Bay and like learned a lot more about the sport. Like he gave a great quote his first year in Green Bay. Where he was like, "They taught me how to watch film here. It's amazing." And like he played much better. Ringo's already got that. Ringo's a smart cookie. Uh, I, I think Ringo can play in the NFL, and I think he can start. His fit for Philadelphia is a little bit shaky. Um, but if they took him late round one, I, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, the The question is just how often can you get him on the line of scrimmage? He's a little bit scheme dependent in that regard. And then if he can't hang there, can he transition to safety? And that's something to figure out two or three years down the road. All right. Faster Rasul Douglas. Yeah, Rasul Douglas, you wanted on the outside only. You didn't want people breaking inside if he could just kind of run back and then tackle he did a good job of that uh, obviously ringold much faster uh straight line speed than rasul douglas but i like uh, you giving me that comp so now i can picture uh what he might be like i've not watched akili ringo except for uh on saturdays and all those big georgia games uh where he's gonna go grinding the mocks which aggregates like every mock draft not that it's perfect but it's you know generally more accurate it's one of the more accurate predictors out there has him going 30 seventh uh off the board as the sixth corner let me let me know if you would have him any over any of these guys uh the the consensus is he's the sixth corner behind gonzalez witherspoon porter banks and cam smith smith is tricky i like smith too okay so fifth or sixth player yeah all right smith smith also makes sense for the eagles i wouldn't be surprised if they like smith keely is 210 Smith is a buck 80 on a good day. <laughs> so yeah. a 30 pound range there. You kind of wish you could get someone right in the middle and you'd be okay. There you go. All right. Question number eight. Kyle asks, how high do you and Ben think the Eagles are prioritizing Lane Johnson's future replacement? How likely is it that they use one of their two first round picks on another O-lineman to sit behind a veteran when there are plenty of needs on the defensive side? Can I say that this is the, like this general question is the hardest question about the Eagles in this draft. I am going both ways on it. How much are you prioritizing getting a guy who can absolutely step in and play for you in the next two years versus taking the best player at maybe a more premium position where you might already have uh, players there? Like they have, they are they are projecting Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata to be their tackles for the next two years. They are projecting Darius Slay and James Bradbury to be their corners for at least this year. They have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith under and, and Dallas Goddard under contract through like 2025. That's one thing we didn't mention with the wide receivers. Like this isn't just a hey, that these you'll be the fourth option this year. It's like you're going to be the fourth option for a while. For a Those guys are really good and in their prime. So this is a really hard question to me. Now, if you look at history with the Eagles, they have mostly said we will take a player even if he's blocked 
We mentioned Dallas Goddard earlier. Andre Dillard, remember, he was not he was someone who was going to come in and play right away. So they've they've generally said, go ahead, even Cam Jurgens, you could point to last year. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to see the field in his first two years, although he's going to get a shot to compete at guard. So that to me is like the hardest question to answer about the Eagles. And it's because their roster is really good. They're competing for a Super Bowl at the same time. That gives you uh, this issue. So uh, what do you think about that? We talked a little bit about old linemen earlier uh, and whether they would be willing to take one some, somewhat early in the draft. Yeah, I agree. I think the other re- the other reason why it's such a challenging thing to figure out, particularly for offensive line, particularly for Lane Johnson, is you just don't know where Lane is like like is at in terms of his career. He's 32, right? He's under contract for the next five seasons. He's under contract into 2027. So from a money perspective, they're like, yeah, Lane forever, man. Lane until he's 37 years old. Lane's got the groin injury, right? Uh, uh, you know, the, like he's this 19 kind of game, Yeah. 19 yeah. games over the past four seasons. And also, I think he said uh, last year, I think this was in a Jimmy Kemsky article that he wants to play like two more years. Uh, so he's right. already, the you know, and he's at that age where you start thinking about that. Yeah. And he's he's won a Super Bowl, been to another. He's done it. You been know what I'm saying? Pro, like he's yeah. Played with a bunch of co- uh, multiple different quarterbacks. Like he's he's done the thing, you know? So it's, uh, that's why it's hard to prognosticate, right? He's, he's turning, oh, he's turning 33 in like a couple of weeks. Happy birthday, Lane Johnson. Anyway. Yeah. Um, this this is why it's this is why I think it's challenging. I don't think they're prioritizing it. I wouldn't say that that they're walking into the draft and, and saying, all right, all right, objectives, get a backup for Lane. I think that it's in their mind, and if the shot comes, they'll take it. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you know, it's it, like again, like think about like basketball. Think about like a, a good wing. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have to feed him the ball. We don't have, need him to take ten threes in the game. But if you've got an open look, take the open look. Like, I think that they're going to be very happy to, at 10, think about tackle. Have their board, see if it's the best option. At 30, think about tackle. Look at the board, see if it's the best option. 2024 first-round picks. Look at tackle, see if it's the best option. They'd like to get one at some point, but, like, prioritizing is too strong of a word. They're not, like, saying, these like, this is on the, high on the objective list. It's just, okay, we, yeah. we know it's something we're going to have to do at some point. Let's keep it in the back of our mind. And if it, if it comes to us, we'll take the shot. Yeah, I think if you ask them to kind of rank the way the first nine picks play out, their preferred scenario would be if somebody like, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, even Christian Gonzalez, I would say, falls to them and they can take that player. But there's a scenario where they're at 10 and they don't have a great trade back option. And they're just like, take the best player on our board. And the best player is Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson. There's a scenario where they trade back to 15. And it's the same thing. All right, we got some additional draft capital, but hey, the best right. player on our board is one of these tackles. So uh, I could, I mean, you just have to go with what they've done. Landon Dickerson, Cam Jurgens, Andre Dillard. Like, you know, we believe, yes, Doutland can absolutely do more with less. He's shown that, but that hasn't stopped them for spe- from spending useful resources on the offensive line. So yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think it's the prefer- their preferred way of how it plays out. At the same time, if you told me, hey, the Eagles are going to draft a tackle in the first round. I wouldn't say you're nuts. That's not going to happen. There's too right. m- We have too much history that says, yeah, if that's the guy they like, they're just going to go ahead and take him and figure it out. All right, two more questions. Question number nine. Dan asks, on a scale of 1 to 100, how likely do you think it is that they trade up to get a cornerback, offensive lineman, or defensive lineman they like? 1 equals definitely won't happen. 100 equals 
definitely will happen. I guess we should just say all three scenarios, you know, split the 100 and uh, how much do you think they're moving and up? How once much do we think- start doing these numbers and you're just like, yeah, just split the scale, adjust it by decimals. Then when you try to make me do the thermometer thing with like body temperature, I don't know how your Great episode, work. a classic episode they on the, the Philly deeply. special feed. You have, a, as, uh, as the Birds with Friends crew would say, you have 100 turkeys, you divide them by the three outcomes. That's all it is. So it's, it's, it's trade up, trade back, or stay put. I'll go first to let you think about it. I think now history tells us this probably would surprise the nerds. Howie Roseman trades up a lot. The nerds would say Eagles are an analytics franchise. They got to be trading back and drafting for volume. Nope. Go check Howie Roseman's history. This is not something they've done a lot. They traded up for Dillard. They traded up for Devontae Smith. They traded up for uh, Jordan Davis. I think if you did an analysis of like the top five years, most draft picks made, they would not be probably in the top half of the league. I I can look at that uh, to be sure. I think the trade up targets would be Anderson, Carter, and it wouldn't shock me a slight move up if they really like a Gonzalez or a, Wither, uh, or a Witherspoon. If they're like, we love this guy, yeah. let's move up two spots, kind of like the Devontae Smith thing. We're giving up a fourth, whatever. Let's not risk it. Let's just go up and get him. So I could see that happening. I just don't think Anderson and Carter, I'm not buying that they're going to fall to a spot where you're really looking at trading up for them, like, you know, eight or whatever it, it may be. I, I'm not buying it. If they do, I think they, the Eagles could be aggressive. I'm not buying it. So I'm saying trade up at 25. I'm saying 40. They stay put. I know they like to trade. I'm sure they would love to trade. I'm just, is it going to set up in a spot where they can trade? And then I'll say 35, they trade back, even though, again, that has not been their MO. I think if one of those tackles is available and you get a deal you like, I could see them trading back. So I've got 25 move up, 40 stay put, and 35 trade back. What do you got? That wasn't the question. The question was how likely it is that they trade up to get a CB, offensive line, or defensive lineman. They never even said trade back. You just used 100 turkeys. You just used 100 turkeys in three different categories that don't even exist on the question. He wants to know how likely it is that they trade up, and I'm doing all the scenarios. How likely to is get it a they tra- corner offensive lineman or defensive lineman? Oh well, who what else would they be? Who else would they be trading up for? There's no other position they're going to trade up for. That was uh, that was implied. I mean, who else? He There's doesn't literally even, no he doesn't other even, position. He doesn't say that it's has to be from pick ten. It could be from any pick. That's true. Okay. Well, listen, Dan, <laughs> be more specific. A That's on you, Dan. Question. <laughs> That's on you, Dan. You That's answered not on what me. Are they be doing more 10? <laughs> I think there it's very likely that they trade up at some point to get a corner or offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I would give that 80 turkeys. <laughs> 80? What are you not? Not not from 10, just from picks overall. I understand 80, though. That's way too high. Uh, I You're would just say talking right, about so how much they trade up. I know. I did. But I don't know if it's going to set up that way. I would put it at, let's say, at some point. Yeah, I could see that. I would put it more at like a 51.79%. Go to the next question. Next question. I'm done. Hold on. I want to get, I just, real quick, because if you're wondering what would it take uh, in 2021, last year, uh, a team moved from 15 to 13 and gave up 
uh, three day three picks. Okay, that's two spots kind of in the middle there. In 2021, the Dolphins moved from 12 to six, remember, with the Eagles and gave up a future first. So if you're saying, could they really move up into like the top five, uh, that's going to be costly. But Mm -hmm. the Bills in 2018 moved from 12 to seven and gave up a pair of second rounders. So it's kind of there actually are not a lot of examples of a team moving from like 10 up in the draft in the last five years. But those are some of them. That was for Josh that Allen. That was for Allen, yeah. And then that that was on draft night. Miami's was after the Niners deal, right? It was like immediately afterwards. Yes, the Eagles yeah, got so they that. Kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah, Eagles had them, like, you know, kind of, Eagles had a lot of leverage there because the Dolphins wanted to move out of three but didn't want to move all the way back so they missed Waddle. So, yeah, right. that was that, that's interesting, situa- interesting differences. All right, last question. Uh, we've got another voicemail. Cliff, go ahead. Hey, Ben, Shiel, Cliff. Uh, I was wondering, what do you guys think is the dream scenario for the Eagles at 10? Like, what picks one through nine? Uh, and what's the nightmare scenario for us Bird fans, the Negadelphians? Thanks. There we also a- had another question like this from T. Jenny from The Block, who said, if the day after the draft we're walking away saying, Howie Masterclass, what occurred? If we're saying, oh, no, Howie, what occurred? So it's, it's a similar question mm-hmm. for both of them. Dream at 10, I think, is, Car- is Carter. I think it's Jalen Carter making it to a 10 and you making the pick. It's tough because they, there's just that we don't know a lot off field wise looking at it from the outside. Like there's comments on, on what he is as a teammate, as an individual, and there was the, the combine and the arrest and the bail. So it's it's tricky. But from an on-field perspective, I think it's Carter. If you're if you're not there on Carter, which I would totally get, I think your dream scenario is a quarterback falls to ten, you're able to get a huge trade down offer. I think that's a really really nice outcome at ten. I'd be surprised if you get it, but it's dream scenarios. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, the nightmare scenario is at ten they take like a, a Tyree Wilson, a Lucas Van Ness. You got uh, oh we need a future edge and let's get one of these big guys who might become something at some point. I'm I not can't wait to that. play this yeah. back when that happens. Yeah. This is going to be great. You 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 uh, you you found Hassan Reddick for 15 million per and Josh Sweat in the fourth round. Where's Derek Barnett at right now? You know what I'm saying? Like you, there's a lot of talented edge. You don't need to be spending top 10 pick on, on this position where you've shown that historically you can bring guys along and you can find guys on, on the free agent market. I don't think that's that's necessary. And I certainly don't think it's necessary a year in advance of the need in a very weak edge class where you're just taking a guy based on theory. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely out on that. I would also say uh, there's a world at, at 10 where you're stuck with like, uh, you know, like, okay, like the edges are on the board, but there's also a world where like both the top corners went all the quarterbacks went. The whole That's offensive six. tackle, yeah. The whole offensive tackle okay. class is right there. Nine. Oh, right. okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, the, the whole offensive tackle class is left. And other than that, there's really like Carter's gone, Anderson's gone, whatever. And you go to try to find a trade back, and you can't. And now, like I brought up, like they're not going to prioritize Lane's replacement. But you're looking at your board, and you're like, the only guys we have graded this high are tackles, and you can't, you can't if you can't find a trade back. I'd be surprised if you couldn't, but you can't. And now you're taking Paris Johnson to sit for two years. And that's just like, that's not a nightmare, but that's kind of like, eh. Last time you did this, you bring up Dillard. Like it just completely didn't work. So it's a, it's a tricky situation. 
Yeah, I I usually am great at figuring out the nightmare scenarios. Like that's what I enjoy yeah. doing the most. I had a I had like a hard time really coming up with something I would Lucas describe as Van nightmare. Ness is my personal that's for nightmare you. solution. That's yours. Yes. Okay, that's your personal nightmare is Luke and Lucas Van Ness. Like yeah, if they drafted one of those tackles, I would be like, oh, all right, that's not great. But I don't know that that would even reach uh, nightmare for me. I think you nailed the dream scenarios. I think if you are comfortable with Jalen Carter off field, he slips. You get him at ten. That's great. If you just have to move up one or two spots for a Will Anderson if he slips and you're giving up you know not much remember they have 12 draft picks next year they can dip into that pool and give a future something uh, for one of these players Will Anderson that would be a nice scenario uh, if you trade back a little bit and get some draft capital and still end up with a Christian Gonzalez or a Devin Weathers Witherspoon or a Nolan Smith I mean, I'm not going to say it's dream scenario, but that would be pretty good. Like if you can get, you know, if you trade back a little bit and still end up with one of those guys. So that's kind of how I saw it. And then overall, I mean, if you're just like, what do you want to come out of this draft with? I think a high ceiling pass rusher or corner, one of those defensive premium positions. If you end up with one of those, if you can get like just some starting caliber options at linebacker safety in the middle rounds where, you know, everyone can at least talk themselves into these guys in OTAs or uh, training camp. And then I would like like a fun running back at some point where you're saying, all right, in case, you know, Penny doesn't stay completely healthy for the first time in his career. Do we have someone who we can get excited about that you, could emerge yeah. as a steal? Yeah. Do you have a guy yet? Do you have a, you have a no, ne- that's next week. Next, okay. week. next week. Next week. Yeah, tune no, in next little. week for Shields, guys. Yeah. What that's a the title of the pod. Be. I'm hosting. It's just all just me like, <laughs> Shield, fourth round running back. Who's your guy? Third round safety, Shield. Give I'll us a guy. Ready. I'll be ready. Ne- it's like those old, it's like those old, uh, it's like those old uh, Mike Mayock availabilities used to have for NFL uh, when he was yeah. on NFL.com. And they would hop on conference calls and just beat writers would be like, who do you think the Falcons could take in round four? And Mike Mayock would be like, oh, I love a, a, a Habakkuk Baldwin auto, man. Oh, I think it's just great. Like, that was the whole call. Those are the only correction. Content. Reporters would say, thanks for doing this, Mike. Who do you think the Falcons oh, should yeah, take in round four? Yeah. Yeah, you got to thank Mike for doing this. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing if you're not thanking Mike for doing this? Come on. Pro stuff. <laughs> All right, that will do it for this episode of the Ringer's Philly Special. Again, check out Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed. Solak and I went through teams that could trade up to number three. I thought that was a fun conversation as well. We will be back on this feed. We've got Phillies, we got Sixers, we got more Eagles draft coverage uh, coming. A lot to get to next week. I think we'll do some more mailbag questions we'll get to shields guys we'll talk maybe day two a little bit we haven't uh dipped into that so again questions ringer philly hashtag uh on twitter instagram message me leave a review voicemail all those things all right i think i got out like the 400 things i needed to close with thanks to ben hey shield thanks yeah Thanks for doing this, Shield. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thanks to Ben for doing this. Thanks to Cliff Augustine, ace producer, for doing this. We will be back soon on the Ringers Philly Special. (laughs) 